this is week one of a series that we're doing that is covering the book of James. Now, we are not gonna have time to go through every single verse in every chapter of James. I wish we could. You probably don't wish that because that would be a very long talk. But James is a great book. I highly recommend you spend some time going through it over these next few weeks, uh, whether with someone in the group or in your small group, whatever that looks like for you. I just really recommend that you take some time to read James. It's pretty short, five chapters, nothing crazy. But... Over the next few weeks, we're gonna be talking about James here, and I am just gonna give some context to James really fast. Uh, First thing, it is a book found in the New Testament that was written by a guy named James. Super original, I know. Uh, But his name was James. He was the half-brother of Jesus. So half-brother, because his dad was Joseph, not God, details, shmeetels, but that's how that happened. So he was Jesus's brother and he was pretty skeptical of Jesus during Jesus's ministry. And I'm gonna be honest, that feels valid to me. Uh, It would take a very, very, very long time for my brother to convince me that he's the Messiah. Uh, I know you don't know my brother, but it would take a really long time for me to believe that was true. So James, like most of us in here who have siblings, he was pretty unsure of his brother for a little while. But then the crucifixion, resurrection, ascension happened, which are hard to deny. So after Jesus rose and went to heaven, James actually became a pretty devout Christian and a leader within the early church. He worked alongside Peter which is pretty cool. Now, some scholars think that the book of James, which was a letter James wrote to the early churches at the time, uh, they believe that letter was actually the first book written for the New Testament. So New Testament isn't in order of when they were written, but a lot of people think that James was actually the first book that was written for the New Testament, which is pretty cool that it was written by Jesus's brother. Um, So he wrote this letter to, like I said, it was 12 early churches, And he really had this one goal. And the goal was to teach them about spiritual maturity, of what it looks like to be mature and wise and growing in your faith, which I think is a really good book for us to look at because we all want that. We all wanna be mature in our faith. I don't think anyone in here is like, no, I would love for you to say that I'm immature in my faith. No one wants to be called that. No one wants to be known for that. We want to be known as people who are growing and working towards maturity in our faith. And so I think it's a great book for us to look at for these next few weeks. Now, for me personally, 2020 was a year where I feel like the gaps in my life, the gaps in my faith that aren't super mature really came to light. And I don't know if that's true for you, but I know it's true for me that last year, Um, specifically like a couple months into quarantine, I really had a hard time trusting God to the point where I pretty much stopped. And I chose doubt over trust every single day. And if I'm being totally honest, and it wasn't just the pandemic, there was stuff going on in my personal life uh, with loved ones that was just really hard to walk through. And in those few months, I felt really frustrated with God. I question, is God actually kind, like he says he is? Is he just, is he fair? Does he care about me? And the first thing to go when that started was spending time with God. I didn't wanna spend time with him. 
I was mad at him. I didn't think it was fair. I didn't think what he was allowing to happen in my life was right. And it was tough. And so I stopped spending time with God. And it took, honestly, I'm being totally honest, and I've worked through this with a counselor. This isn't me, like, figuring this all out on stage in front of you guys. And you're like, oh, should she? Maybe you want to, like... It took a while to work through that, but I'm so grateful I did because it caused me to really look at my faith and the parts of my faith that I thought, oh, it's fine, it's good, it's strong, weren't. And I had to do some serious reflection, some serious work with God of like, if I'm going to believe what I say, then I need to really believe what I say and take it to heart and not just talk the talk, but actually figure out how to take those words that I say and truly hold on to them and truly mean them even when I feel like God's not being fair. And so that was my 2020. Uh, I don't know about yours, but I worked through that. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love the book of James so much is because James is, he's pretty blunt throughout his letter. He's pretty honest. Uh, It's hard to read James and not get your toes stepped on like once, twice, or eight times. Um, But I appreciate that from him because he just lays it out of like, hey, this is what it looks like to be growing. This is what it looks like to be mature in your faith. And I think there's so many believers out there who are walking around with stagnant faiths. They're walking around and they refuse to grow, but they could recite Bible verses all day, right? And, but they refuse to do the work to actually grow in their relationship with God. And I don't want that to be true of us. I want everyone in this room to be constantly growing, to be working towards spiritual maturity. And that will be a life uh, thing that we experience. It will, it will be our entire lives that we'll be working on that. It's not an overnight thing but I want us to be a group of people known for doing the work. And so I think this series, I hope, is helpful with us looking at scripture and seeing what does it mean in my life, in your life, to actually truly work towards spiritual maturity. And so we're gonna look at James. And tonight, I'm pretty excited because we're actually gonna start in James chapter one, verse one. So right at the top, and this is what he says. Uh, He says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Uh, I honestly kept this verse in there just because I always love the greetings portion to the letters. I just think it's fun. It's like, hey, what's up? Uh, But I also really liked servant because it reminds us that James himself went from skeptic to servant. And here he is committing his life to this work of bringing people to Christ, someone who he knew personally and someone who he was very skeptical of himself. And I just think that's super powerful and a great reminder as we enter into the book of James. So then he goes on, James 1, 2 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now I'm gonna be honest, I feel like for me, pure joy would be avoiding trials of any kind. Like, I just don't want to, I mean, for example, the other day, and this is very, this is like low on the totem pole of um, trials, but the other day, someone um, at work was, he was leaving work, he calls me, I'm in my office, and he calls me, he says, hey, um, I just walked by your car, and there's a giant nail in your tire, and I was like, yeah, oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me, and so I go out there, it's not just a nail, it's like, it literally looks like the part of like an old school mousetrap, like the metal like 
spiral part. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this car's gonna explode. Because that's how I feel. Whenever there's one thing wrong with my car, I'm like, the whole thing's about to just implode on itself. And I'm gonna be in the middle of 400. So I am driving very carefully to my, and it's not flat or anything, but I'm driving super carefully. And I get there and I can hear it on 400, like clank, clank, clank. <laughs> it was terrible. And I get to the tire place and I thankfully took a picture of it because I get there and I'm like, hey, there's like a mousetrap in my tire. And they're already like, mm, okay. And so I said like, no, come on, let's go look at it. So we all go out there. It's not there. There's not even a hole in my tire. It was like just perfectly wedged in the tread, I guess, and just fell off. And so of course they're like, a mousetrap, huh? Okay. So I was like, look at the picture. But anyway, I left there and I was like, whew. Like avoided that, uh, just not a big deal, but it was, it's a pain, you know, whenever you have car issues and especially tires aren't cheap. So I was not excited about that at all. But to me, like avoiding a trial seems like where my joy would come from. But James is saying the complete opposite of that. He's like, consider it joy. Consider it pure joy. And I like the word consider because he's saying, think about it as pure joy. Now, I think we get joy and happiness mixed up. What he's not saying is, hey, when you face a trial of any kind, even the very serious ones and the very not so serious of attire, whenever you face any kind of trial, just be happy about it. Put on a smile, deal with it. That's not what he's saying. And happiness is a fleeting emotion, right? That comes and that goes. And sometimes you wake up and you're just in a bad mood and you're not happy and you're mad because it's a Monday. And that's the only reason why you, you're not happy. But joy, biblically speaking, as followers of Christ, joy is a deeper feeling. Joy is a state of being regardless of our circumstances whereas happiness is very based on our circumstances. Happiness comes when you get the text from the person that you like, and then it goes when they ghost you. Happiness comes when you win the lottery. Well, that's a bad example because I would feel a lot of happiness for a long time if I won the lottery. Happiness comes from when like, they have your favorite donut at Dunkin' Donuts or something and you get it. And then it goes away like, later when you have a stomach ache. Like, happiness comes and it goes. But joy, biblically speaking, is a deeper-rooted contentment It's how you view your relationship with God. And your circumstances shouldn't change that. Joy shouldn't waver as easily as happiness does. And so I think James is saying here, like, hey, you're gonna face trials and with trials is gonna come a bunch of emotions that we'll get to later. But regardless of that trial and regardless of all those emotions, the good and the bad that come with it, your joy should remain constant. And if it doesn't, which is what I was facing last year, that's something to pay attention to. Well, why why would we even feel joy in this situation? He goes on and he says this in verse three, uh, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I don't think it's test as in pass or fail. I don't think he's saying, hey, uh, every once in a while, you're gonna get a pop quiz, not a big deal. You wanna make sure you do really well on it though because I don't wanna tell you what happens if you don't. I don't think it's that. It's, It's not a pass fail. I think it's a testing of your faith in regards to 
Is, it, is your faith authentic or is it counterfeit? Is it real or is it fake? Is it actually rooted in something or is it not? Is it just fleeting words that you say but you don't really take to heart? And those tests, those trials that test our faith, that expose our faith, are ultimately going to lead to perseverance and they're going to lead to spiritual maturity and growth. But unfortunately, the maturity of your faith will not be exposed when things are going well, but when things begin to fall apart. And isn't that so true? That when life is going well, you're like, God, what's up? We're good, right? But when life is going bad, you're like, oh no, everything is crumbling and I don't know what I believe and this is terrible. And that is when your faith is truly on display. That's when your spiritual maturity is exposed and evident. And so James is saying, hey, it's not a test. It's nothing to be nervous about, but it's an opportunity for growth. Because the truth is, is that when we do face those tests, we have two options. When we face these trials and these challenges, we have two options. One of the options is, is that we can keep going. And we can keep going and, and we can keep choosing to trust God and we can keep obeying Him and we can keep believing that He is sovereign over everything, even this trial, even this hardship. We can choose to believe that and we will get to the other side of the trial and it won't be easy but we will get to the other side of the trial with perseverance, with growth, with lessons learned. Or the other option is you can, get, you can still go through the trial. You can't skip the trial. You will go through the trial, but you can do it without God. And all that's gonna do is just expose the cracks in your foundation of your faith. It's just gonna bring that to light even more of, hey, you're saying one thing, but you clearly are believing another. And that's just work we need to do. Something bad, it's gonna happen to all of us at some point. But we have the choice to, to choose to go through these trials with God or to choose to go through them with resentment towards God, with bitterness towards God, and not take hold of the opportunity to grow. And here's why that's such a big deal. James goes on, he says, in verse four, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So that idea of spiritual maturity is found right there. Like let, let these trials happen and let perseverance get you through them. Let endurance help you. Bring God into them. Because here's the thing, Here, here's what I know to be true and you know it to be true too. Whether you follow Jesus or not, you're going to face trials. You're going to face hardships. Literally everyone in this room is in the same boat right now with the same trial. We're all facing a pandemic. We all know that we will continue to face challenges throughout the rest of our life. We know that to be true, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, you will go through hardships and you will feel pain. But what's worse than pain is pain without purpose. 
Pain without purpose is just cruel. What's the gain in that? To just go through pain and have nothing on the other side of it. And it's God's mercy that allows the pain to be a tool that helps us grow in our faith, in our relationship with Him. And sometimes we think, oh, well, it's, it's God's mercy that should protect me from the pain. And yeah, sometimes. But we live in a broken world where pain is inevitable. And thankfully, if we choose to go through the trial with God, God's mercy allows us to take what we learn from that trial and use it for good. Use it to strengthen our faith. Use it to grow in our relationship with him. Use it to turn around and help someone who's facing the same thing we just went through. You see, there's purpose in your pain. And I know that sounds so churchy and that sounds so cliche. And you might be sitting in here thinking that is the most annoying thing you could ever say to me right now because you don't know the challenge I'm in. You don't know the trial I'm facing. You don't know the hardship I'm going through. And I completely respect that because I think if last summer someone said that to me, I would be like, whatever. But I think it's true. And I think it's because of God's mercy that he allows there to be purpose in our pain. Imagine going through your trial for nothing. But because of God, we get to grow in our relationship with him. He reveals a bigger picture of himself to us. We grow in ways that we wouldn't grow in unless we had faced that trial. And I know for some of you, you're like, well, I would, I would trade that in. Like I would rather not go through that trial and not learn what God has for me. But that's just, trials are inevitable, so we might as well learn something we wouldn't learn otherwise. There was a scholar named Augustine, Augustine, what? What just happened to me? Augustine who said this, he said, trials come to prove and improve us. And I love that, that saying because it's so true that trials will come, period. That will happen. They're gonna come our way, but they prove our faith they push our faith out into the open. They expose our faith. And then hopefully, if we're willing, we allow them to improve our faith. And it's not always easy. Please don't think I'm promising you some easy little thing of like, oh, well, I'll just take this trial and like hopefully learn something from it and everything will be great. No, it will still be really hard. But hopefully on the other side of it, a little bit of good, and maybe not right away, maybe years down the road, but a little bit of good will come from it because somehow, in some way, we grew in our faith, in our trust in God. We were able to help someone else because of it. I don't know what that is for you. But either way, I hope that we're a group of people who look at trials as a trial and for what it is but we trust that God on the other side of it is going to use it to improve us. And so how do we do that? How do we go through trials and really take a hold of endurance, perseverance, all those things that James talks about? How do we do that? Well, there's, there's many ways you could do that, but just a few I wanna talk about tonight. The first one is I think we need to be honest and ask questions. I think the biggest mistake we make when facing a trial is we're not honest with ourselves. We try to convince ourselves that everything's fine. We try to convince ourselves it's not a big deal. 
that we're happy about it when we're not. And so I think the first step in a trial is to just be honest with yourself. And out of that honesty will come some hard questions that you might have and that you would rather not have. But James 1.5 says this, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. When we're honest with ourselves, when we're going through a trial, like this is really hard and I'm really angry and I'm annoyed and I'm sad, feel all the feelings you need to feel. And God can handle that. God can handle those questions. He can handle those feelings. He's not scared of you or of anything you're bringing to the table. And trust me, I am speaking to myself on this one because when I go through challenges, I think I spend more time trying to convince myself that I'm fine and trying to convince others that I'm fine rather than actually dealing with what I'm feeling. I try to live my life like this girl. Uh, Actually, I do live my life like this girl. Um, But that's how I feel in trials. I'm like, we're good. You know that uh, gif, gif, whatever you call it. Uh, of the dog in the kitchen with the flames. I love that one. And he's like, this is fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. And so I think sometimes we just need to be okay with being honest with ourselves. For some reason, we think that God expects us to be superhuman as if he doesn't know that we're not. It's like he expects us, we think he expects us to just be happy about it but he knows all the feelings we have. He gave us those feelings. Those are good, emotions are good, and he gave them to us for a reason. And it's okay to ask him some questions, to ask him for wisdom, for clarity, for peace, whatever it is that you need to get through this. He's okay with that. And the other thing I think that we need to be careful of when we're going through a trial is don't isolate yourself. Don't pull back when going through a trial or a challenge. Um, My favorite, one of my favorite TV shows that's pretty new. If you know me, you're so annoyed by this because I talk about it all the time. I won't stop talking about it, especially until my coworkers watch it. But they're sitting in the back. It's okay. Um, It's called Ted Lasso. Has anyone watched it? Okay. Okay. Well... It's a great show, it's on Apple TV. It's about a guy named Ted Lasso, played by Jason Sudeikis. He is a, it's a comedy. He's a football coach in Kansas, and he takes a job in England as a soccer coach for a premier soccer team. He knows nothing about soccer, so chaos ensues. Um, But it's so good, it's such a great show. And this isn't a spoiler, they win and lose a lot of games throughout. But after one game they lost, they're in the locker room. And everyone is so upset because they worked hard and they wanted to win and that's valid. And Ted Lasso has this quote that he says to them. He says, I promise you there is something worse out there than being sad. And that is being sad, being alone and being sad. Ain't no one in this room alone. And I love that quote because I just think it's so true. Like that's what's worse than being sad is being by yourself and being sad. 
And so when we go through these challenges and these trials, our, our instinct is to pull away and to think, I'm not gonna talk about this until I figure it out, until I get to the other side, until I have like a ribbon tied nicely on it, then I can talk about it. But we weren't created to do that. We weren't created to carry these burdens alone. And the truth is, is that when you keep your challenges to yourself until afterwards, then that makes the people around you feel like they can't bring their challenges to you in the middle of the challenge. And no one wants that. And so when you are facing a trial of any kind, I just challenge you to reach out. I challenge you to find wise counsel, whether that's a counselor or a mentor, whatever that looks like for you, someone who's going to help you get through that challenge in a healthy, uh, emotionally healthy way, rather than just stand on the sidelines and complain with you or make you feel like you can't be honest about it. And I challenge you to let a trusted friend in. It will help, I promise, to not go through it alone. And so this is the last thing I wanna leave with you. This is James um, chapter one, verse 12. This is the message version, so it might sound a little differently, but it says, anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. And so I just wanna encourage you. I don't know the challenge you're going through, and if you're in a place of serious doubt, I can't blame you for that. But my hope is, is that as we go through this series together, that you feel encouraged that you're not alone, that you can be honest with yourself and with God about how you're feeling and that's okay. And I really hope you'll come back next week as we continue this series. My friend Heath is gonna speak, it's gonna be awesome. Um, and I just really, really hope to see you all next week again.